When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So it's uh, all for play for still. I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast. We're going to talk a small little bit about Leicester, do a little preview about that. We're going to talk about some good news, I suppose, for, for a change and uh, Jacob Ramsey. But before we get to all of that, I think everybody needs to just take a moment. That that was a great game of football that we just watched there. <laughs> Man City and Real Madrid was, uh, was a great game of football and... Uh, you know, hopefully someday, hopefully someday we'll be in a, in, a, in a Champions League semi-final before we kick the clogs off, Paddy. And we'll um, uh, we'll be in there, we can throw up games like that. But that was a thoroughly enjoyable game of football. It certainly was. It was absolute madness. It was end-to-end. It had everything except maybe a red card. But it was good. I enjoyed it. Penalty was just so sweet as well because... Oh, I don't know. A lot of people, were, a lot of people were talking about the um, the fact that the, oh, the ref did a great job on um, on playing advantage for Bernardo Silva's goal. Did you see that he put the whistle you, up to his mouth. Just... Didn't give any inclination that he was playing advantage. I, I personally think it was completely. It was the opposite way. I think you have to give some sort of signal you're playing advantage. Put the whistle to your mouth. I, I've but, um, no idea what you just said, but I'm just going to ask you: Did you just oil your beard live on the pod? I did, yeah. I did, my beard, I did. I just had my beard, yeah. How do you expect me to concentrate when you're doing things like that now? Ah, Paddy, I'll take off the, I'll take off the shirt one of the days and start writing in my chest in the podcast. That's how you get viewers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah the referee was delighted with his, with his advantage, he sure was. And it was a great advantage, in fairness. It was, yeah, yeah, it was a great advantage. Yeah. Um, some some goal, Jesus, some goal. And, and the Penenka was just... Just topped off a mad night, like I did. So I did. Conquers to do I that, did say right? it to the family at the time. This is going straight down the middle. I didn't expect a Penenka. I just expect him to put his laces through it and bash it down the middle. But Jesus, yeah. crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. What a set of balls! Like he's just he's a player on fire at the moment, uh, Benzema. So uh, you know, it's great, great to watch him. You know, great to watch him play. Like he's finished in the first half is just brilliant. So just look, great game of football. Absolutely great game of football, and I hope the Villarreal. Um, and Liverpool plays out just as well tomorrow because um, you know it's nice to have nice to have meaningful midweek football like that, and for us not to be involved and be disappointed. Although at some stage we will be involved, hopefully, fingers crossed. 
and uh, we would be disappointed if we didn't, uh, if we aren't there at some stage within our lifetime. Um, I've got some good news. My comments are back. So I can start flogging through comments again. And I'm Rob, Arad, thanks so much again. Thanks for uh, thanks for your super chat. I really appreciate it. Um, Rod says, thanks for doing these. Hopefully this will be us in a few seasons. It was a great game. It absolutely was. Um, brilliant. Neil, absolutely brilliant. Beard riding on camera. Oh, where's that going to? He just, he just took it back. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's, uh, that's, um, that's the next thing to do. Yeah, I'm going to start giving. I'm going to give, give people tips on how to grow their beard gray as well because uh, I'm really good at that. Um, anyway, my beard, I'll be honest with you, the biggest tip is follow Aston Villa. That's how you grow your beard gray very quickly. Um, because, uh, Paddy, you had the you had the, the absolute privilege of being in Filbert Street or the, well, <laughs> uh, the Walker Stadium or what's it I called? Walk, I walked down Filbert Street. <laughs> yeah. Which is the short walk Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Paddy, talk to us a small bit about that before we get into the game. What's the stadium like? What was the travel like? You know, is it easy to get to? Um, very, very easy to get to from from the airport. So we we went early. We actually got the earlier train than we were expecting to get, which was which was grand because there was even too many people on the earlier train. So it was uh, it was nice and easy to get in get in and out of. Uh, Leicester anyway, and it was, about, it was about a two kilometer walk from the train station with with a couple of pit stops along the way <laughs> into uh, the away watering holes. And we, we got up, we got up there early enough and had a look around. It's it's uh, the epitome of a soulless bowl. It's exactly the same all the way around the stadium, and um, nothing nothing uh, nothing to write home about. Uh, lovely tribute outside to Vichy. There's a there's a mm. statue on the corner. Um, I've no idea if that's where the helicopter came down or not, but there's a, a lovely statue there for them with a, giving a thumbs up. So, um, look, it's a, look, it's it's a it's a great little ground. It was it was noisy for a few minutes, but Leicester very very poor crowd, very um very family uh crowd. I thought an awful lot of young people there, an awful lot of older people there, um which was uh, which I wasn't expecting. Because I know when they come to to Villa Park, it, it, they're they're loud and they're boisterous. But it was it was quite enough on uh, on Saturday. Um, a few questionable tunes they were playing on in the background as well. So it had a bit of everything, and, th- and then we got to the football and we all fell asleep. Yeah, uh, yeah. But look, I suppose just just touching on that, it's kind of wholesome to see the see a family event like that. I suppose maybe it could be in a lot of reasons later on in the season. A lot of people. Probably could be yeah. tapped out from cash from traveling back and forth to Eindhoven, you know, over the last couple of weeks Absolutely. and whatever, what, yeah. you know. And I have that. to say, to, to a person that we met, there were ap- absolutely lovely people. And mm. um, it was obviously quite obvious we were Villa fans, even though we weren't wearing colors. But they uh, they they gave us a great welcome, and uh, we were did to the hotel across the road for a point, a last stop on the way up, and. Your man said, Are you Villa fans? Yeah, I'll go down the other end of the bar. And there was no queue at that end of the bar. There was no queue for Villa fans, but you were queuing for the Leicester fans, which is a bit mm. bizarre. And uh, I bumped into Barry Robertson, who listens to and watches yeah, Barry, the podcast yeah. in that hotel. And we, we, we had a chat and a, and a catch up. I met a good few people who uh, who interact with the, with the podcast. We, we, we had a good laugh throughout the day and met some lovely people in the airport on the way home as well. So it was good. It was a good day out. Um, as I said, apart from apart from the football, because 
the one thing you want to do when you go to football is watch goals and celebrate and mm. we got no chance to do that so that's the only disappointing part of the day yeah it was one for the purists i think all right um aston villa certainly didn't come to pass the ball and if they did they didn't come to pass the ball to each other i think that's fair to say leicester came to do nothing but pass the ball to each other and not attack so yeah. leicester were really were in pure conservation mode from from the point of view of you know they didn't have many attacks i think there were only four shots in the, in the whole game um emmy martinez had only one or two saves to, to to make from from memory um, we owned the ball and attacked from the point of view of we had 11 shots uh, within the game. And we had some, we actually had some really good defensive statistics, you know, with tackles made, successful tackles, pressure rates and stuff like that were pretty good in the game. And that's why I say it's probably one for the purists because, you know, to go away from home and just be solid, I think is potentially what this team needed. We just needed to be solid in the yeah. game from minute minute zero, minute one, or whatever you want to call it, to 95, and not really make a balls of anything. And we didn't really make make, make we we didn't make many mistakes, but we looked like a team who were playing not to make mistakes as opposed to trying to force an issue. I think. Well, that, well, that's exactly it. It was the tale. Of, it was the tale of two teams. One team went out not to get injured, and the other team went out not to lose. Um, and and they both achieved what they set out to do by the looks of it. Um, like uh, aside from Bailey's chance, I, I think that was probably the most clear cu- cut of the lot. Uh, the early um, one was that was a bad miss. It was a bad miss. Um, there's a lot of a lot of love in there for the comments for for JJ. I think if JJ had have found mm. himself in that position, we'd have been one to look. But uh, unfortunately, not. Um, yeah, that's the look. I I think I I've been doing a lot of watching the games, watching back of games. I was doing it for my Stephen Gerrard piece that I did and, and to be honest with you I, uh, that was what an hour and 10 minutes you could have spoke for about four hours and that you know you kind of get to a point where you're going right this is this is way too long now and um, I need to wrap it up and then you're going through games and you're basically just mentioning who came off the bench that's what I was doing for a finish but I think what we've kind of sorely lacked an awful lot this season is um is a change of type of striker and I, what I mean by that is that Ollie Watkins ran himself ragged in this game, ran everywhere, chasing lost causes, running into the channels, um, you know, chasing around defenders. And that's all well and good. But, you know, there comes time when, you know, and and look, I know don't adjust your sets because you are watching for the Love of Pomegranate podcast and it is coming out of my mouth. But Ashley Young was positionally, like he was my man of match in the game, first of all, spoiler alert. But... Um, like positionally, he was very good, and what I liked from him was was deep crossing. We saw we saw one or two deep crosses again, which I'm a big fan of. Um, but no matter what we were going to do, Sancho was just going to open his mouth and swallow the ball. You know, the second it came yeah. in there, and that's like it's it, it it's not a knock on Ali Watkins because you can only do what you can do. Like I'm five foot eight at a push, five foot nine at a push. So I've said I'm never going to give out to anybody for not being big, six foot four, strapping man like Sancho, but. Um, you know, it's it's uh, oh, I don't know what it is. It, it just kind of shows that look, we've got great squad depth, but we're very samey, you know. And I think this game, amongst all games, showed it because we could have taken Leicester, you know, with some of those chances we created. Like, I don't talk an awful lot about XG because I think it's a fallible metric, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's a relevant metric, but it's a fallible mm. pick holes in it very easily. Um, I know stats, uh, I think it's stats, um, stats perform of a. Uh, have have a new XG 
um, calculation, which I would say would be the the norm of next year. Looking at it, it takes into account a lot more things like defensive positions and goalkeeper positions, whereas the majority of the XG at the moment is calculated without that. But we had a one point one six XG in comparison to their zero point three um, XG, and, and and like we should really have scored. You know, we should really have scored when we look at some of the chances that were there. Um, like uh, I'm trying to find Leon Bailey's. Like Leon Bailey had a zero point five one. XG chance to score, um, with that with that uh, that cross that came through to him, um, you know we we could have got. What I'm trying to say here is we 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 could have scored, we we could have scored, um, and I think, you know, we can change the midfield all we want during the middle of games, and and we should we should be making at least one if not two substitutions in midfield every game because our midfield has never been solid, um, but to be able to bring on a completely different prospect up front. I think is uh, is something we've missed all year because Ings and Watkins can be very samey when we bring them on. Um, yeah. But that's a complete aside. And I think it showed up in this game because we had all the endeavour and we had all the running and Watkins had a couple of chances. But maybe if we had a big guy to stick his arse into a centre half, hold up the ball and allow Coutinho run in to get, on to get onto it a small bit more. Or JJ, as you mentioned there. Or Bailey. You know, mm-hmm. because everybody's running at full pelt and everyone's kind of getting in each other's way when we're trying to counterattack at pace. Um, whereas yeah. we should, if, we could, if we had a big, a bigger guy who could hold the ball, we might be able to counterattack at a, at a more manageable pace. Like you saw City today, when City when when City were were attacking, yes, they did some counterattacks, but they were always it was always their attack was on their terms. And when you're counterattacking, sometimes it's not in your terms. You're 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 at the mercy of if this is too slow, everybody files back. If this is too fast, I don't have enough people behind me or I don't have enough support with me. So counterattacking needs to be absolutely, absolutely perfect at times. And I just don't think we're there yet to be able to do that. No. Look, there's a there's a lot missing. There's there's a lot there's a, that's a whole other podcast for, for when we get to the end of the season. But uh, you know, I thought Gerard was fairly honest in in his synopsis, and I think it was justified enough saying that he went out for a draw and stopped the rot. But to come out and say that. Uh, Watkins was unplayable. He was unplayable when he was out on the wing, maybe picking up the ball. You know, he's not, and that's not where we want him picking up the ball. And he was just, we were just bereft of any ideas in the, in the final third. I thought we did get a couple of chances, but that was just from from Leicester being pedestrian rather than us being good. Um, you know, or the Bailey was poor. Uh, Coutinho was poor. Um, Douglas Louise had a quiet game, didn't have a whole pile to do, didn't do a whole lot wrong. Young Tim came on, young Tim came on, got a run, brilliant. Uh I have to back you up there and actually young because we we well, I've probably you've probably gone more in on him than I have, but uh it, it was definitely one of his better games and that and that was more due to the fact that we were set out not to lose the game and he stayed at home and there wasn't too many marauding runs and getting cut out. You know, with, with balls over the top or or slide drill passes that were were keeping him out of the game. So he 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 just had a solid left back game. He didn't do anything special, and some games you just need that. This you mentioned Douglas Louise there, and I think Douglas Louise is an unsung hero of this game. People are going to criticize me probably for saying that he had our highest pa- he had our second highest pass success rate at eighty six, if I'm not mistaken. But that's all. That's all relative. I think he had the second highest amount of passes as well of, of people in our team. But what I liked from Douglas Louise was his position was an awful lot further back. It's like as if, it's like as if he, you know, he did what he was told, for want of a better word, because he was back in that Nakamba position, um, 
and uh, he was he was closer to his two centre halves an awful lot. Um, yeah. Yes. There were times when he was when he had gone on, on on a kamikaze run. I actually made made reference to it that our midfield was a bit kamikaze at points. But it was interesting when I look back at it afterwards, and when I was looking at my at um at at uh, I, I won't name the well, I was I was looking at who scored first of all, but I won't name the other the other uh, software that I have. Um, just because uh, <laughs> there's loads of them out there, and I, I, I don't want to go naming everyone. Anyway, um, the scouting's after. But uh, Douglas Louise, when you map out his his average position, he was a lot closer to two centre halves. And to be honest with you, nil all with Douglas Louise and with us having an actual defensive midfielder in there. Just you know, it just seems like somebody is kind of watching the games now and doing something about it. Whether Douglas Louise is now doing what he's told or whether Jared has decided to 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 ditch the flat back, flat midfield three, I don't know. And I don't really care as long as we continue to see that for the for the foreseeable within the within the game. And like a lot of people are jumping in Jared's back and that's cool. As I said, I'm gonna to continue to say it's not my job to convince you Jared is good or bad because I don't know if he's good or bad yet. If you think he's bad, that's fine. I, but but there's I, I'm, I haven't taken a position on what he is yet. All I can do is go from game to game and say, we were set up correctly in this game. This game, I think it might have been a player problem. And, and I think that's what we're going to continue to do for the rest of the season until we get into the into next season. It's not fence-sitting or anything like that because it's I, I just don't know. He's, when we've played well, you could say that Jared's a genius. Like the Leeds game, the the Southampton game, like they were just brilliant games, but we're inconsistent. Yeah, you know, we're inconsistent, and I think there's a lot of blame to go around between both players and 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 set up uh, there as well. And 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 I did catalogue a lot of it, um, in uh, in 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 that Jared piece. But Douglas Luiz for me, I thought was pretty good. Um, I thought he would be my second best for me. I thought he was the most most improved. Ashley Young was the most improved because he's gone to man a match based on what I think of him. But I think Douglas Louise, I was pretty happy with what he did. He wasn't spectacular by any means, but I just think his positioning just I went excellent. I I, I like what, what I've seen there from his position. Yeah. And look, I'll say before and I'll say it again, there's an awful lot of uh people going all in on Douglas Louise, a man who's always given a hundred percent. He's playing out of position, he's doing a job for us. I, I just I just don't buy into the to, to the nailing him to the wall for it because he, he to me he's a player playing out of position and doing well where he is. Um, if you're playing out of position, it's very hard to hold your position. It's very hard to learn a new position in any yeah. sport that you're, you're involved in. So, um, although he's been there a long time and playing in that position, it just doesn't come naturally to him. Yeah, um, and, and I think look, I think he's he wants to go forward. You know, I think he does want to go forward. I think it's nice, natural. And look, yeah. at the end of the day, if you're a professional, you know, you should be able to stay back. You know, it's not under under 14s or under 16s anymore where everybody wants to go up and get their goal. You know, you should be able to stay back. You should be able to hold that position. Yeah. Um, but look, we're, we're, uh, we're, a fic, we're a fickle enough bunch and we're entitled to that. Yeah, of course. But yeah. I remember I remember not so long ago uh, when, when Dean Smith was in charge, people booing Nakamba. And Nakamba came back to a hero's welcome on, on, on Saturday. I honestly could not get over the reception he got when he, when he came on. And after the match, all he did was sing Nakamba's name for about five minutes. I think he stood there in front of them in disbelief by himself when when the game was over. And look, we need him back. We, we, we needed that. In, it's probably a bit too late to do, to do any kind of pushing on up the table. The table, honestly, doesn't really matter now at this stage. 
I'd just like to see a few performances and a few decent results over what we have left. It was interesting. The the I, well, I won't even say the post match. There was there were so many kind of quotes that kind of came out from it. But I think one that was really interesting was number one that Nakamba was mentioned. Uh, nice to see him back. I think yeah. we might see him at the weekend, Paddy, when the two of us are over in Villa Park. I um, think so. Also, the big one for me was like Stephen Gerrard name checked Young Tim again, and he came on and he came on before Nakamba. You know, in in, in this game. He came on before Kanye Chukweka, you know, so uh, he came on before, I can't remember, was Sansa on the bench. No, he wasn't because he was injured. But, like, he came on before players that you would have expected maybe to get minutes before him. And, um, you know, we need to win this at the weekend, obviously. You know, we, we sh- realistically, we need to win every game, you know, for to finish where we want to finish, or at least as high as we possibly can. Yeah. But I think we need to win this game at the weekend yeah. to just put to bed any murmurings of... You know, oh, yeah. Well, look, it, it, you know, it, we're it not just, getting relegated, like not in the hope of hell. Like I, I still think no. we're going to get nine points, um, from but from the our ten points, I think it was from the end, end of the season. But I like to live in my on my rainbow, mm. with my sparkly unicorns and positivity land. But um, that's just me. But uh, and I look, think, there's I a few there's a few media outlets that are just happy to put us in that mix yeah, just to make it look yeah. a bit better. We heard an Irish, an Irish radio here as well. Like there were there were. Seriously talking that oh well, every, well Everton are in are, are deep in danger, but they 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 could pull out of it because they're a historic team. But Aston Villa could be in trouble, you know. And you're kind of going, what? You know, we're nine point eight points ahead of them, you know, yeah. eight points ahead of Everton. How how are they going to pull out of it because they're historic? But we might be in trouble, you know. It's just it's uh, it's a talking point, I think. Yeah. But it's it's that's all it is for me is a talking point. That's all it is, and and there's there's absolutely no way we're going down because. As you say, ten points. Uh, I I think we're going to cause one upset in, in in that title race. Who it's going to be against, I don't know. But we're going to get something out of Liverpool and Man City. I think we've got that one performance left in us to to really up our game, and hopefully, like when you think of it, we, we had a great game against Man City before Christmas in in one of Gerrard's first games. So there's no reason why we can't do that again. Yeah, like Nathan, I'm I'm not calling you out or anything here. Because you're 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 regularly on the thing, but if we lose to Burnley twice in Norwich, then we deserve to go down. But we're not going to lose to Burnley twice in Norwich. If we lose to Burnley twice and we lose to Norwich, there'll be a completely different talking point. Well, the the morning, the morning, my chest live on the podcast if we do that. <laughs> but we could still lose to Burnley twice and Norwich, but we're still not going down. <laughs> it's just, like, just like, 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 like contextually, like if we were to say. Uh, if we were to say, oh, that's that's your point. Sorry, I picked it up. I picked you up completely incorrectly, Nathan. So your your point is that we're not going to lose them, but but like, we're yes, we're going through shit time, but we're not that shit. Like you know, and and I don't mean that in in badness to Burnley or to Norwich, but like we're we're going to pick up points between now and the end of the season. We were way worse than this in two thousand and nineteen, mm-hmm. and we picked up wins and points when we didn't expect to. We're going to meet teams that are on that are on the beach as well, you know. And and, and arguably, what do Norwich have to play for coming coming to Villa Park at the weekend? Well, you, you, would, you would hope they'd play for their manager, who's going to be there next season, regardless. So a lot of these players will want to want to stick around and be part of that. So you would hope they would. But look, we you you say you know we're, we've we've to play play teams that are on the beach. We've to play Palace who are on the beach. Um, for the last four weeks, we've been on the beach. 
according to most according to most teams and, and all the teams around us won. So everything looks a lot less rosy than it did four weeks ago when, when we when we went on that run of losing four in or it's not even four weeks, it's six weeks because we did we and a that's, couple of weeks break. That's the thing, like we are streaky, you know, mm. and, and I I know you can't de- you can't depend on anything to streaky. But at the end of the day, like we we've proven we can like that that point at the weekend probably is is more of a settling point than anything else because we haven't drawn an awful lot of games. Like I'd be hypocritical if I was here banging the table going Villa shit and kicking things around the place because I've been screaming about lads, let's turn losses into into draws. Uh, that's what I've been screaming for oh, recently. Yeah. You know, so well, getting a draw away from home I think is good. And and look, like I, I'd be I'd be very disappointed if we didn't win at the weekend. And that's no slight on Norwich, but Norwich are where they are for, because of the they don't have a good team. I, I like Dean Smith as a manager, and I think I think when I looked at it, he's won more points since he's come in since he's come into to Norwich than Norwich had previously. So he's done a better job than the previous manager, but yeah. uh, and I think he'll do a superb job um, next week or, or, or next year for them. But uh, you know, I, I like like the, the quality we have in our team. We should be winning this game, hands down. Should be winning this game and winning it comfortably. That's a big cocky. I hope. Hope it doesn't cross his cocky. It's one of those ones where if, if you're not cocky about the team that's bottom of the league and bottom of the league for a good reason, yeah. I, th- I think there's something wrong. If we if we can't get up for this, I'm sure the Villa players will will want. There might be a couple of them that were maybe a bit on the fringe or or didn't get on with Dean Smith, and they'll be up for it as well. So, um, it's it's, it's gonna it's gonna be a strange old game. There's a lovely um I don't know whether you've seen it. There's a lovely flag going around that they've. They've made for Dean Smith to welcome him back, which I think is only appropriate because he he never got a chance to say goodbye. So yeah, um, he'll be fondly he'll be fondly uh, remembered in in my heart anyway. That's for sure for getting us back to the yeah. promised land and keeping us there. So um, I've I've no uh, I've no badness towards Dean Smith or Norwich, but we definitely should be beating them and should be beating them well. Um, just just an aside, and we I'm going to get some comments in a moment. I'm going to go go read down through a couple of them now that I have the functionality back again. But since Stephen Jared took over in week twelve of the season, we have accumulated enough. So if the league had only started in week twelve up to up to here, we would be on twenty seven points. We would be in eleven position. We would have a plus two goal difference. We'd have eight wins, three draws, ten losses. Below us will be Leicester, Southampton, Brighton, Burnley, Crystal Palace, Leeds, Norwich, Everton, and Watford in that order. And above us will be Brentford, West Ham, Wolves, Man United, Newcastle, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, Liverpool, Man City. You know, so just just to just to kind of take a to, you know to take a full three sixty panoramic view of of where we are with Stephen Gerrard, we're amazingly streaky. That's one hundred percent. Like, there's no doubt in my mind about that. We've gone through a crappy crappy um, streak at the moment. But 11 position was where we finished last season, and we will we will be coming in on par with 11 position based on and and since Stephen Gerrard took over, is it good enough? I think it is. I think 11 position would be like at the start of the season. I would have gone, no, no way. If we're not booking tickets to Estonia for uh, some Europa Conference game, I'm going to spit my toys out, spit, spit my toys out, spit my dummy out. Um, but I think now, based on what we know, you know, if, if someone gave us eleven position now, I think we'd be delighted. Um, it wouldn't show progress that Christian Perslow yeah. and Johan Lange did say they wanted, but.
but I think it would show some sort of rallying effect from where we are at the moment for to finish there. And that's that's look, you got to play the hands you're dealt. You got to change your expectations mid season, otherwise, you know, what's the point in watching the matches? You know, mm-hmm. but so I, I I would change my expectation. I think eleventh is would, would be would be would be good based on where we are at the moment. It would be a good finish to the season. Yeah, I, I just can't see it. I think I think those around us will get a few more points as well, and we'll probably finish maybe a, maybe one place higher than where we are. That's that's just how I see it. I'm not feeling the confidence just right now. Um, we we have a good run in games, but we're we're playing we're playing Burnley twice, which which are in the shit. So I I, I don't know what you're going to expect from them. We've got to play the two teams that are 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 fighting it out at the top for for to win the league. So. Um, there's there's a whole lot of football ahead. W- would we get ten points out of it? I don't know. I'm not I'm not overly confident, but I, I I'm pretty sure we get three points at the weekend. And for mom for the moment, that's my only focus. Um. Yeah, I think I I think I tend to agree. I think I t- I, I hope. Look, I'm going to be in attendance. I fucking really hope we get three points. You know because. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I plan on being extremely hungover the next day, and I don't think I could do with, uh, I could do with uh, hangover and despair at the same time. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's look, it's it's going to be a game we're all looking forward to. I think you know it's one of those games that we we feel we should win, and I and I think if we go out and we if Aston play Aston Villa play like Aston Villa should play, we we should win that game if that makes sense, you know, because it's a uh, it's it's uh, it's one that we would have marked off. As 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 a game that we should win, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think at the start of the season, um, I'm just looking for something here, Paddy. If you could just fill for a moment, and I'm just going. We're going to be very honest. We don't have any producing notes here between us. Oh, actually, before I do that, what I wanted to say as well was, um, it's gone completely in my head. No, uh, after all that. Uh, yes, let's talk about Jacob Ramsey before we get to the comments there. Let's talk about Jacob Ramsey. Five, um, five-year contract. I think it's really great. Um, I watched the great, the, the club did a great piece on uh, Aaron Ramsey in Cheltenham Town um, discussing it with his manager, with Duff, the manager, and with, um, with, with Aaron Ramsey about his, uh, his time there. And I think it's just nice to kind of see those two kind of serendipitous things because you could see that the, that the younger uh, Ramsey was... Very complimentary of his brother. You could see they got on well. You could see that he he does look up to him and he does see him as a barometer. And uh, you know, I'm I'm just going to get my piece out there and I'm going to say, you know, if there's players in this club that think that there isn't a pathway there for young players, well then just just listen to those two brothers talking about each other and just look at what's happened to Jacob Ramsey getting a five year contract. Um, and Tim has gotten a contract recently as well. So, you know, there is a pathway there for, for longevity within the club. We want to keep our players around. Cameron Archer is another one. So, um, you know, they're all exciting pieces. And I think the fact that we're signing these young players to, to deals means that we're not going to go out and buy prodigious 18, 19, 20-year-olds to stack our squad with those. I think that allows us the leeway to go in and buy maybe a 28, 29, 30-year-old player to come in and bring that bit of experience, buy in experience, as opposed to get experience through uh, through um, through matches, I think is is fair to say. But Jacob Ramsey, Paddy, must be like best news we've had in a while. Oh, it is. Um, as we found out before, the contracts aren't worth an awful lot, but at, at least what it does assure us is 
he's in the plans and if he is going to be sold, we are going to get an astronomical fee for him. So first off, I'm absolutely delighted for him. Absolutely delighted because he obviously loves the club to have his two brothers there with him coming up behind him. We could be, we could be making history with those three brothers because Aaron is very highly thought of. And the younger guy, who's apparently the better of the three, who his name always escapes me. Um, Someone's after calling him TJ there, a National Treasure Explorers is after calling him TJ. I, I can never remember his name either. Can somebody please tell us the youngest Ramsey brother's name? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I honestly, I, I, he, I always forget it. And then it, it goes out of my mind for six months where you're not talking about it. And then he's back in, he's back in the, the limelight again. But look, they're they're a good they're a good sport. I think their father was a, a champion boxer as well. There's there's mm. there's a lot going on in in that family since they were kids, and they've played all sorts of sports. But look, he's he's been probably well. He's definitely our young player of the year. He's huh. been the one. He's been the one shining light of everything that we've uh, we've tried to do with that youth team. Um, he is the shining light for Louis Barry. He's the shining light for Carney Chukmoeka. All these guys who are looking for a pathway, have a look there. See, if you put your head down, if you get your head in the game, if you keep your head out of your arse, you, you're going to be in and around that first team. So good luck to him. I, I think I think it's an amazing statement to, to give him that kind of contract at that age. So he he's definitely a mainstay in the team. He's definitely part of, of Dean Smith's plans going forward. And and let's face it, it's probably that A position we're, we're blessed with with the few that we have there. That that's probably not where we're going to be looking to get players out of in in the summer to to come in and fill gaps. Yeah, um, and, and look, it's been said a couple of times before, but you lose a homegrown talent, and then another one just kind of comes along, and you know, it's been an up and down season for the club, but. Some of his goals have just been majestic. One against Arsenal, the guys are talking about it here. Um, uh, in 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 the chat, goal against uh, goal against Arsenal was a banger. Goal against West Ham was on a postage stamp in the top corner as well. Two goals against Leeds were well taken, and you know he he um, murdered Casper Casper Schmeichel as well. Thoughts and prayers with his family. Um, so <laughs> you know he's 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 had quite an eventful eventful season. And, and he hasn't looked out of place. And there was times when people were talking about maybe him being a bolter for the England squad. Now, there, those days are not, that's not happening, like, obviously. But he's been capped for the England of the 21s, uh, England of the 20s. And, you know, he's he's risen this season. And uh, hopefully we see that from the other players that uh, may be coming up through the ranks with Aston Villa as well. Um, Cole, Cole, Cole is, is the, Cole Ramsey yeah. is the other one. Yeah. Cole Ramsey, thanks to Rod, thanks to National Treasure. And Cole, to Cole Ramsey, who's just 14 or 15, so yeah. he's, uh, he's a big future ahead of him. Let's go to some of the comments there, because I've completely lost my train of thought, um, <laughs> reading some of them there. Um, Rod Humble says, it won't happen, but Wendy absolutely deserves to start. I thought he played really well when he came in. I thought he played really well when he came in against Leicester, yeah. and, and I thought, you know, there's a couple of games in a row, so he played a couple of games and he was consistently going off injured and limping. And Jared was saying he kept on. Jared, Jared's exact words were: "He got a kick in the leg about three weeks ago, and he keeps on getting kicked in the same place again." And then remember, he fell over and he hurt his shoulder as well. And he was always playing with little niggly pieces, bits and pieces. 
And he's had a bit of a rest since then. And now when he's coming on those cameo roles, he's playing well. He's been a very good metronome. He's holding on to the ball. He's pass, his passing rate looks good. I, I didn't look at what his statistics were. Um, but his passing rate looks good. For, for, for those of you who are keeping score, Jacob Ramsey had our highest passing uh, pass accuracy at 90% at the weekend. So, you know, that's worth a five-year five year contract based, based on the fact that the majority of everybody else was on 67 and 68% uh, passing accuracy. Uh, but I thought Quindia was very good, and I think that maybe spring him, maybe start him against his old team and see what happens uh, at the weekend. I think... Um, I think that might be something we might see because I can't see Bailey getting another run of it because Jared looked like he was visibly critical of him on the sideline. Mm. Um, Jared, and I, th- yeah. I think I think what this will come down to is whether we play two up top or, or two in behind one striker. I think if we play two in behind one striker, it'll have to be Buendia. Uh, yeah, yeah, if we go two tens, that's, that's going to be... That's going to be one that's going to need discussion. Um, I think before the game, when we hear what the team, what what the announced team is, that if we go two nines or two tens, um, it could be one of those games. Nice sunny day in Villa Park. I think two tens might be the way to go against this against this Norwich team, as opposed to two nines. Um, but look, as I say, that we've a whole podcast to do, and that we'll be coming back again tomorrow to do our preview podcast. And just for anybody who's out there, we most likely won't have a team sheet tantrum because both of us, none of us, will be back in podcasting HQ uh, to be able to run the show. So um, we may not have a team sheet tantrum. Well, at this moment in time, we won't have a team sheet tantrum unless something changes. Um, but we will be back tomorrow with a with, with a preview. Um, plus, we're more than likely going to be drunk, so it's not a good look. More than yeah, yeah, we will be petty. Half drunk um, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I make my apologies now to everybody. Um, yeah, Scott, mate, Scott, you make you make a good point here. McGinn, McGinn was poor, I thought, at the weekend. Um, he did bits like you know he did he did bits and pieces. Okay, his passing was dreadful. His passing was just really really poor. Um, I think, and it was it was one where he was off it and. You know, we talk about playing two tens. I just love to see him giving a go there. He's never, he's never been like Douglas Louise has been given a goal in the eight, go in the eight position twice this season. He's played really, really well. McGinn has not been given a go in the ten position, and, and it looks like maybe we just need to shuffle the shuffle the deck a small bit to try and see where where our best players play. Because McGinn isn't a bad player. He's not become a bad player overnight. It looks like he's been told he's been basically just handed the mop bucket and said, you know, try and do everything here. And he looked like he was that was the case uh, at the weekend. You know, his passing was poor and, and he was just running around the place, really. His energy was all it was what was being used at the weekend. And what do you make of that, Paddy? What you make the of one thing I will say in his, his defense, and you, you all know that I love John McGinn, um, Tielemans, Dewsbury Hall around him didn't give him a whole pile of time. Um, it seemed every time one of our midfielders picked up the ball, there was two guys around him, so uh. Their their system was good in that way. It was it was they didn't press high. They pressed they pressed in that area and just were were happy to to stifle the midfield and try and force them into mistakes. And that and that seems to be what happened, especially in the case of McGinn. Um, where else are we there? Yeah. So Dean says Dougie ninety percent being in the wrong position. Uh, it is Villa thing to buy players and try to change their game. Or not to play to their strengths, shoot ourselves <laughs> in the foot. There was an article on 
I think it was, I can't remember what site it was, but I remember thinking it was a semi-reputable site. It was really big enough, Douglas Louise as being one of the transfer finds that Aston Villa had, considering it was a 50 million, 15 million purchase, and now he's worth millions, millions, millions more, and he's had to kind of dig in in different positions. And I suppose it's interesting when a non-Aston Villa fan writes an article on one of our players, and maybe they're looking at it with a small bit more clarity, or maybe they're not looking at it with any clarity and just looking at the price tag, and the fact that he's now become a Brazilian international. But... It was an interesting read, and at the start, I, I almost scoffed at it. And then when I read it, and I went, there's one or two points in here that you do forget the context of it, that yes, you know, he was, like 15 million is a steal for a player like him, I think, um, because I genuinely don't think he's a six. But then again, he's had to play an awful lot as a six. But we remember back 2019, and we all harken back to it, and you're only as good as your last game. But in 2019, he was an absolutely majestic defensive midfielder or whatever, whatever, Maybe he wasn't being played predominantly in that sixth position, but at the end of the season, he was absolutely brilliant. You know, he was one of the biggest reasons we stayed up. Yeah. And he nearly won our player of the season because of it. He Look, I won't have a bad word said against him. Uh, we could very easily see him go out the door in the summer. And, and there's, there's, there's a fairly long list behind him of, of who could go out. And, and, some, and I guarantee you there's going to be a couple that surprise us that go out the door, maybe that are starting at the moment. So... Um, it it just depends on what the manager decides, but I will I will never forget that performance. Um, when you look at those games, Arsenal, Everton, he was just brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Uh, Scott again says, "What's Aston Villa's record against Dean Smith's teams?" If I remember correctly, it's awful. It, it was awful when we played in the championship, in the, and it was the Brentford that specifically that Brentford team. I think, I think that's um, just a record against Brentford. Full stop. Angus, yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, Dean Smith doesn't have a Neil Mope in this team. He doesn't have a you know the the caliber player that Brentford would have. Um, but he's a good manager, and he's gotten gotten results against teams that he's not not expected to get results, and he can get teams up for up for games. So you know. We won't sleep on Dean Smith, and hopefully Smith does us a favour in the knowledge that they're down. Uh, maybe he he gives us the win to propel us up the up the league. Uh, I think I think it'll be bittersweet for him either way. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. the bad thing about Sunday or Saturday is should Burnley lose and and we beat Norwich, that that's them gone, that's them relegated. Although, theoretically, Burnley, uh, no Norwich. No, that's Norwich. Yeah, yeah Norwich will be relegated. Should we beat them and Burnley win? So. That would that would be a pity. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you said Burnley win the second time. Yeah, because you said Burnley loses. Going, how are Burnley okay. losing? No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That does make sense. Um, where are we there? So, Cole Ramsey just going down through some of the comments there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Paddy. Um, yeah. I, I, to be honest with you. There's a bit there, there. There wasn't really much to talk about in this Leicester game. I think it was more, but like I think this Leicester game really kind of feels like a, a kind of a sigh of relief in a way for me that that, uh, that we're not in complete freefall, you know, and um, that allows us to try and reset a few things. I fully mm. expect to see in the Kanban team at the weekend. I think we could potentially see, we could see. We could see Tim in there, or we could see Nakamba start and Tim come on at some stage. I'd love, I would love to see McGinn push forward maybe into a 10 role if Bundia doesn't start. I'd nearly, maybe even you drop Coutinho. You know, he was quiet again the weekend. Didn't really get much space. Was quiet again. 
Um, I, I think he's going to have a field day against Norwich, but then again, you know, you can't just pick and choose when you show up either. Um, so it, it's going to be really interesting, and I'm kind of disappointed we're not doing a team sheet tantrum because I think we might finally get those changes. Might finally get those changes. <laughs> we could do. We could do. Um, look, at the, you know, just to, to finish up on Leicester, I, I, I came out of the stadium disappointed and you know, we did, we did a two-kilometre walk back to the train station and my son disagreed. He thought it was a bit harsh. Um, the people I've spoken to since still think I'm a bit harsh. But look, I, I just felt Leicester were there for the taking and we didn't turn the screw. I, I, I believed that we if we had to spend 20 minutes of that game playing like we did against Spurs in the first half, we, we'd have gone and taken a handy 2-0 win off them. But we just never went for it. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and also... You know, a team with a better striker, or a team with a better second striker, or a team with somebody, you know, put it this way, you start Bundia, Bundia gets that chance in the first seven minutes that, that uh, Bailey got, that's, that we're winning up. Mm. And uh, I suppose it's just, and I understand why why Jared might play the odd bolt or player, like he's played Sanson every so often, he's played Bailey every every so often, and we malign him for not changing his team, but he has, he has given people chances 15, 20 minutes here and there, and maybe that's not enough to show what they can do. But he's going to have to find out what players he wants to keep around and what players he doesn't want to keep around as well. So uh, I, I'm not maligning him for starting Bailey. Um, but, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, hindsight is twenty. And, and Bailey wasn't wasn't rubbish either. You know, he wasn't. He just missed He just missed a glorious chance. He missed two glorious chances, really, I think. Uh, you know, the two best chances we had fell to Leon Bailey. And he mm. just didn't work them. But low, low on confidence, low on game time. He struck, he struck me as a player that was low in confidence and, and yeah. poor decision-making on, on a number of occasions. And uh, as I said earlier, you would have wanted that. You would have expected Leon Bailey on full form for that, that shot to, to, to fall at his feet, that he was going to just ping it into the top corner. Mm. But he, he just doesn't strike me as a guy that's playing a full tilt and a full confidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's going to do it, everyone. Uh, apologies for being late, but as I say, we were in trial in that Man City and Real Madrid game. And to be honest with you, we thought you'd all be watching as well, so we don't be talking to ourselves for the first 15 minutes of the podcast. But really appreciate everybody for pop- for dropping on. We're going to be back again tomorrow to do an Norwich preview show. Um, Friday, I will jump on from probably from an airport somewhere or something like that to do a uh, to, to do the press conference piece. Um, because I want to keep those. I, I actually found that I'm interested in them. If nobody watches them, then I'm okay with that. But um, if we uh, basically, if you didn't check it out, a little ten minute video just discussing some of the bits and pieces that were mentioned in the press conference. And I actually think this is going to be an interesting one because Dean Smith coming back, coming back to town again, and also the questions mm. about not the questions, but the comments previously about Young Tim, uh, about Nakamba, and about Bundy. I think are going to be interesting because I th- I expect all those three players to be discussed. Uh, in this press conference, so tune in for that on Friday again. Um, and you never imagine know. Neil, it could, it could be the first time that we're both behind the same camera lens, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe so, maybe so. Uh, yeah, how are we going to pop up the phone is the next thing. Um, but like these, these are the things, these are the things <laughs> we have to worry about. These are first world problems. If ever you we, just, we just lean it on the point, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we could be one of those one of those podcasts where you slowly see the phone slide down the point and it just hits the table and looks up at the ceiling. Yeah. So if you see that in the podcast on Friday, um well uh, we make our apologies for it right now. But no, we will be back in tomorrow. Thanks so much everybody for tuning in tonight. It's nearly eleven o'clock. Everybody needs to go to bed. 
here in in the UK. Um, or just get up. I don't know what way people what, what way people work that watch this podcast. So we're going to let you guys at it. Thanks so much for watching. Really appreciate it. Please give us a thumbs up before you leave. And uh, as I say, we'll be back again tomorrow about half nine again, Paddy. Will we? This time we'll be. Uh, yeah, sounds good. Half nine. Okay, we'll just do our production meeting here in front of everybody. Keep us honest. So see you again tomorrow. Um, thanks a million for watching. And all that's left to say is up the villa. Up the villa. Podcast Network.